the first of the foundations of social order come to focus in law. Law is, as we have seen, an active morality. And every legal system is simply the codification of the moral principles of a society. And morality rests on religion. It is an aspect of religious order. Therefore, basic to the first foundation of social order, law, is religion. Law and morality are manifestations of a religious faith. Now, when we analyze religion, we have to recognize that religion can be classified basically under two broad headings. Religions are, first of all, theistic. And this is Christianity. Theism, that is, faith in God, asserts God to be creator, Lord, total governor. Theism asserts that the order of the universe is a God-given order, that it is an absolute order, that man's social order must be patterned after God's law order. And God's law is the source of man's law, and God's predestination governs all things. The other great classification of religions, under which virtually every religion except biblical Christianity is to be classified, is political religion. The central religious institution is political. Politics is then the source of morality and law. As we have already seen on previous occasions, we have classic examples of this in Greece. Plato, first of all, defined his politics and then derived his ethics or morality from his politics. Plato and Aristotle and all of Greek philosophy and all of paganism saw the priority of politics and politics as the true religious order. As a result, it sees the order of the universe as something which is a developing and evolving structure which man must, through politics, guide and control because man is his own God and predestination is by man. Thus, the first aspect of the foundations of social order is law and your concept of law what kind of religion you establish it on. The second foundation of social order is the state. The state is the social organization of a creed or religion. It is the legal structuring of the moral system of a society. A state cannot be amoral that is, neutral to morality, because if every law represents a moral code, neither can a state be neutral to religion, because it is the religious structuring of society. When a state claims to be neutral in the area of religion, 
It is because it is in process of abandoning one religion and accepting another so that the pretense to neutrality is a false front. It is a pretense maintained so that one religion can be scuttled and another introduced. The state can be no less religious than the church. The two basic religious organizations in any society are the church and the state. In Christian society, church and state are equally religious. The state is the ministry of justice and the church is the ministry of grace. In every non-Christian society, the state is the main religious institution and the temple or the church or the shrine is simply an aspect of the religious functioning of the state so that the state is either equally religious with the church or it is centrally religious. There is never a society in which the state is non-religious. This is the reason why the Caesars were deified. This is the reason why Mao Zedong's birthplace is a shrine and you have a cult of the sacred heart of Mao Zedong. This is the reason why Stalin called for worship of himself and why, why the new Russia since Stalin, supposedly new Russia, no less has a worship of dictatorship of the proletariat so that while it is not focused on a man it is focused on the state nonetheless this is why you have the cult of democracy a religious cult in the Fabian socialist countries the state is a religious institution inescapably so and if its religion is not Christianity, it will be something else. And in our day and age, it is humanism. The state, therefore, can have two functions, depending on the creed of the state. If the creed or the religion of the state is humanistic, the state will be messianic. It will be man's Savior, and its political program will be a program of salvation. If the state is Christian, then the state will be a ministry of justice whose purpose it is to establish godly law and order. The third foundation of social order is sovereignty. Sovereignty can be either transcendental, that is, beyond the world, in God, or it can be imminent, that is, of this world, residing in man or some institution of man. And the two conflicting sovereignties of our age are the sovereignty of God versus the sovereignty of the state. Sovereignty means that the sovereign governs everything within his world. His law order, his word, his government, his control 
overarches everything within his universe. So that everything, earth, air, sky, the whole world, we as Christians see as the creation of God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. God's word, therefore, speaks to every area. It is his law for the family, for the school, for the church, for the state, for economics, for every sphere of life. Because the sovereign is not sovereign if anything in his world is outside his total government. When the state, therefore, any human order claims sovereignty, then your social order loses liberty. In a Christian social order, the state has one area, the ministry of justice. It has no jurisdiction over economics, which is similarly under God and governed by his law, not the state's law. It has no jurisdiction over education, which is similarly under God, or over the church, or over the family, or over any of the other spheres of human activity. Each of these is governed by God, not by the state, because God is the sovereign, not the state. That when the state claims sovereignty, the state then says, it is our word, our law, our plan, our predestination, which must overarch the whole universe, the whole world that we cover. So that church, family, economics, art, education, every area of man's life is subject to our government, to our plan, to our word. We are sovereign. Two sovereigns cannot coexist in the same point in time and space without conflict because they have mutually exclusive claims. So that when the state claims sovereignty, the state is thereby saying that God cannot be sovereign. Because sovereignty precludes any other law than the law of that sovereign. So that whenever you have a concept of the sovereignty of the state coming into the social order, you have therefore a war against God, the state versus God, Caesar against Christ. So that the persecution of Christianity becomes inescapable. It becomes a war to the death. So finally, the order goes out as it did from Caesar. Line them all up by the tens, the hundreds, the thousands, the millions, every last one of them, and behead them. They must be eliminated. And the only way that order was withdrawn was when finally Rome surrendered. It was a war to the death. And it is precisely that today. The fourth foundation of social order is the doctrine of grace. Man's problem in any system is evil. In every religion, 
in every philosophy, in every social order, man has a problem with evil. He may handle it in different ways. He may, like the Christian scientists, say it is illusion and denial. But every religious system addresses itself to the problem of evil and how man might be saved from it. For humanism, the great antagonist of Christianity, evil is in the environment. And the state's power to change the environment is its saving grace. The physical and the spiritual environment for humanism must be changed to save man. And social change is status grace in operation. When the state operates today its poverty programs in Watts and in Harlem, it is, according to its religious conviction, extending grace to those areas, ministering to them with the true salvation. The evil environment must be destroyed to free man. Now, evil environment often involves institutions as well as persons. Therefore, if you are to save man with this statist doctrine of grace, you must destroy or liquidate those things that are irredeemably evil in the environment. This may involve free enterprise, the churches, the clergy, biblical Christians, the, uh, the uh, middle classes, capitalists, any and all who are deemed to be irredeemably evil, they must be liquidated. The others then must be re-educated in terms of the saving grace of the state. For biblical Christianity, the answer to the problem of evil is God's grace, not the so-called grace of the state. Man's problem is not environment, but sin. Man's desire is to be his own God and to become his own principle of ultimacy and his own law. But man cannot save himself by politics or by works of law or morality or any other means. Jesus Christ is man's only savior. Now these are the four foundations of every social order. And every social order is going to change if these foundations are altered. If the basic faith with regard to these four things is humanist, the society will be in revolution against anything that is Christian. If men's convictions become Christian, then they will be in revolution against a humanistic social order. Today we witness, through better than a hundred years of statist education, the conversion of the masses of America to the new religion, humanism. 
today's examiner had a very interesting article, Death on Wednesday. A 37-year-old Negro convict, Aaron Charles Mitchell, is to die on Wednesday. He has been a criminal since his first arrest at 17, and only in five of those 20 years has he not been in prison. He murdered a police officer while he was committing a felony. And a clemency hearing was held before Governor Brown last May. His attorney pleaded, and I quote, had this man been fortunate enough to have been given white skin, he undoubtedly could have wound up in the seat now occupied by your honor. Unquote. This is pure environmentalism. Mitchell himself has said, quote, what people ought to be trying to find out about me is what it was in my environment that caused me to go bad, unquote. In other words, I am not responsible, but my environment is. This then means that we have had a revolution. The foundations of our social order have moved from Christianity to humanism. So that what we represent today is not Americanism as it exists today, but we are relics of an old order, or else revolutionaries bent on creating a new order, which we are depends upon us. Every social order has, as we have pointed out, an implicit creed. And this creed defines the order and informs it. And when a social order begins to crumble, the greatest mistake that any people can make in defending it is to make political defense the first line of defense. Political defense is necessary. But the modern conservative position has been to either make a political defense or an economic defense and to say we are conservative, we have the correct position on economics or on politics, and therefore we are going to save the social order. As a result, they become fact finders. They document endlessly the corruption of the opposition. And what does it produce? It does not change the opposition's basic humanism. The most it ever does is to lead them to choose another humanism for humanists for the corrupt one they have at present. So they change from a Truman to an Eisenhower and from an Eisenhower to a Kennedy. And this becomes reform.
Any defense that it is that is not a creedal defense is a superficial one because it does not address itself to the basic foundation. One of the most, most pathetic defenses of a social order in all history was that made by Cicero. Interestingly enough, Cicero is now held up as the ideal for conservatives. What was Cicero defending? The Roman Republic. The Roman Republic was established on a religious foundation of the old gods and the fact that the old Roman aristocracy represented a divinely established order. That they were the chosen bearers of authority. The ones who were destined in the Senate and in other offices to wield authority and to establish and govern a republic. Now Cicero was trying to defend this old order against the masses when he no longer believed in the gods nor in the philosophy that undergirded the republic. He wanted to retain the form without the meaning of the form. He was a radical unbeliever in everything that he attacked. He defended it because it was what he loved. It was his tradition. Cicero, therefore, was a relic of the past. And Julius Caesar, who belonged to the same class as Cicero, saw that there was no future, there was no faith left behind what he represented, so he went over to the mob and joined it and made himself its head because he said, this is where the future is. And even though they killed him, he was right. The aristocrats killed him. Because the future was with the revolution. It alone had a religion that the people believed in. The religion of the masses today is humanism. And Western civilization today is dying because its defenders will not defend the foundation. When the creed is accepted, the social order is determined. If the creed you accept is humanism, then you have determined that you are going to have, at a minimum, democracy as a beginning and communism as the ultimate of humanism. It is inescapable. You have the presuppositions that require it. If the creed which you accept is biblical Christianity, the creeds of the early church, then the social order is again determined. And you will have a Christian social order a constitution which denies and the doctrine of sovereignty as far as man is concerned and never uses the word, which believes that because man's problem is sin, you have checks and balances and a fundamental distrust of power. And you establish a social order on the foundation of limited power and limited liberty. 
There can therefore be no reconstruction of Christian civilization except on Christian creedal foundations. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build. Most conservatives today, therefore, are relics of the past. We, because we are addressing ourselves to the creedal foundation, represent not the past, but the true future that is first. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee as we face the warfare that is Now broad throughout the face of the entire earth. We stand not with men, but with thee. And we thank thee, our God, as thou art God, the true sovereign. And that with thee there is victory. For all that which is of man shall crumble with man. But all that which is of thee shall endure and prevail. <coughs> and that with thee there is victory. But all that which is of man shall crumble with man. But all that which is of thee shall endure and prevail. Strengthen us therefore in our faith. And to the end that we may be more than conquerors through him that loved us, even Jesus Christ our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Yes. I hope we will get a copy of it. It was promised to us. General Lane has written a book on uh, the leadership of President Kennedy in which he goes into some of these issues. Yes. In establishing the Creative Science Society one year ago, Ronald Reagan stated, I have no quarrel with the humanitarian goal of the Great Society. I only say it is not the most efficient or the best way of achieving those goals. Yes. In other words, he is offering a reforming humanism for a corrupt humanism. And there is no hope in that. Yes. Is there any type of reason in the response to this utility of victory that we should uh, in any way support the war I myself see no point in having young men killed needlessly in a war that is a mockery, in which victory cannot be won. Uh, both agree that from 
There are very strict caste lines in Mexico. The Sp old Spanish will not mix with the Mexicans. The Mexicans look down on the uh, those who are part Indian, and those who are part Indian look down on those who are all Indian. And all of them keep the Chinese and uh, Negroes and other little uh, other racial groups outside the general stream of things. Hey, Rich, uh, last time we were talking about in Exodus 32, and the Lord is curious of Israel, and he's talking to Moses, and he said he's going to turn back on Israel, which is uh, yeah. Exodus 32, 9 to uh, 14. And finally, he gets so bad that Moses said, but remember, uh, the promise he made to Abraham and Jacob and Israel, mm -hmm. and right after that, he uh, the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Mm -hmm. Now, how can the Lord repent? Yes. Well, the word for repent there is different in its connotation than we have. It means, uh, literally, he reversed directions as far as uh, what he had said he was going to do. It doesn't mean that there is uh, repentance in the modern sense of the word. But here he established the covenant, and now he was thinking of taking it away, and it was actually Moses who pointed out that the covenant uh, yes. existed, and then he changed his mind. Yes. No, this was in large measure a trial of Moses, and later on he makes it clear that this was a trial of Moses, because he tells Moses, I will make you a great people rather than me. You will be the source of the new Israel. And this was very exalting of Moses, but Moses was not thinking of himself, but of God's covenant. And so Moses passed the test. But the word repent there, and some modern versions will have another word. There are about three or four words that are translated as repent. And uh, none of them have quite the connotation that we give the word today. One thing more, yes. I don't know that I can frame my uh, question the way I want to, but uh, the Republican Party as uh, uh, in the past, uh, for the past few years, has uh, carried the label of the Conservative Party. Mm -hmm. And now it is practically taken over by the Liberals. Yeah. And the same thing is happening to it that happens to the Democrat Party, and you say the Democrat Party will be fragmented. In the process, we're being, the, the Republicans are being fragmented too, and we uh, never ask, is the man Christian? Uh, we just work for him because he's a conservative. And uh, uh, we seem to be losing all the time uh, the, the Republicans to a point where it seems other people who uh, keep a tie. Yes. Uh, but what's well, the Well, very often, of course, when we're voting, we have uh, a choice where we, we have no Christian to vote for. And that is a real Christian who knows what Christianity means. In fact, we have rarely had such a man for a generation or 
must do when we feel that one of them will improve the situation. So we must vote to the best of our ability. We have to be practical in terms of the situation. But meanwhile, work through education to reestablish a knowledge of the foundations and make the foundations Christian. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
it seems that as conservatives, all of these, we do get tired and discouraged sometimes because of the lack of, lack of success and lack of work done and things accomplished. And yet as Christians, we have the assurance of success. But you see, Christians who are not conservative are not concerned with things of nature. And on the other hand, most conservatives are not Christians, it seems to me, until we two get together, we will have no lack of very true. Our time is almost up, but I'd like to call your attention to something in the Oakland Tribune, Sunday, April 2, titled, Hungry Hindus Eat Cows. This is very significant. Other times they have starved to death rather than to eat their sacred cows. But this uh, Associated Press release from Calcutta, India says, Hindus facing starvation in drought-stricken areas of Bihar state are slaughtering cows and eating the meat, even though the animals are sacred in the Hindu religion, a government official that's closed today, and so on. And this, I think, is good news. They are getting burned, and they're beginning to wake up so that there is some hope in the future if more of this continues in India. It's time they started slaughtering the cows, and they will be reduced to slaughtering cows and everything else before it's all over. And they'll be through with their Hinduism then. Well, oops. Well, with that, we stand.